Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor, because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How far away are the fights from you in New Jersey? Very close. I can't go because I'm going to be working on Saturday. Okay. But... Um, yeah, a lot of my friends are going and it's, yeah, it's at the, it's Newark, Newark, I used to work at the Prudential Center. I didn't, did you really? Yeah. I had an internship there one summer. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah. It was a terrible experience, but it was cool. (laughs) Well, on that happy note, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the DraftKings Rainmakers show presented by DraftKings Rainmakers. I'm Eric Lindquist, excited to be hanging out with my buddy who I don't see Well, it depends. Some days I'm very sad about it. Some days I'm okay with it. It's Greg Ehrenberg at G Ehrenberg DFS, my buddy on the NBA Live Before Locks. How you doing, my dude? Yeah, and I mean, the other thing too is even if we don't do shows together, what's the longest we've ever gone without texting each other? And I mean, you know, just we text about a lot of things. We send each other naked pictures, really everything. Like there's, we're always in close contact with each other. So it's, we're always within arm's reach. Exactly, tip to tip. For the people. Shout out Mike Lawrence behind the virtual glass here today. And for the last month or so, it's been golf after golf after golf, talking PGA Tour Rainmakers, which is great stuff. You can sign up and get that booster pack that you get below. Well, excuse me, the starter pack, eight golfers, uh, fire it up for the Wells Fargo. I guess we can at the very end throw in a couple of things, but we finally have a massive UFC card. All the contests have doubled in size. It's going to be incredible stuff here. UFC 288. In Greg's neck of the woods, over there in Newark, 288 at the Prudential Center. Uh, this is great. 14 fights coming off of last week with just 11 and cancellations and things bouncing around. Nice to have a big full card on tap here. Yes, Greg? Yeah. Uh, also, super high quality card. Like top to bottom, mm-hmm. there are a lot of fights that are just good fights that I'm looking forward to. And one thing we have seen in the lead up to a lot of pay-per-views, there's been some pretty shitty cards lately. And I don't just mean <laughs> in terms of like weird stuff happening them. I mean, in terms of the quality of fights has been low on some recent cards. That is not the case this week. We have so many good fights, even the undercard. There are a lot of fights that I'm interested in. Not necessarily every single one across the board, but like we're starting off the fight, the the fight card, for instance, with Daniel Santos against Johnny Munoz, which should be a banger of a fight. And just top to bottom, lots of ones that I'm looking forward to. And I'm holding a lot of Rainmakers cards in advance of this week's event. So one I've been looking forward to for a while. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. There's one guy, uh, the biggest favorite on the card. And this is, if you're new to UFC Rainmakers, we're going to talk you through the process of things that we're looking at ahead of time. You can get cards for the entire year from the takedown series, from the takedown set, and also the Genesis set. There's also booster packs that you can get. It's a little bit lower price uh, to be able to jump in at that price point. And, and I, I ran into some Evlov uh, that I got like a, like a number 19 serial number rare that's a pretty good pull from that one. 
Uh, but so many great contests, so many different ways to to get your feet wet in UFC and U- uh, PGA Tour as well. But uh, Chaos Williams, I'm going to just start with the biggest favorite here on the card because I think talking a little strategy is never the worst thing in the entire world. Now, because it's not one of the title fights, which of course we'll be covering, uh, two co-main events, uh, so that's going to be exciting, but... Chaos Williams is a card that I know you and I had been texting about, somebody that you and I have been getting a lot of in the rare contest. Why don't you explain to the people why it's so important to have a fundamental building block like a Chaos Williams on a card like this? Yeah, and uh, by the way, something I should note, that if you guys are looking for Chaos Williams in the DK marketplace, he is Kalen Williams there. So that might be something that causes a little bit of confusion because Chaos is a nickname, believe it or not, not his uh, real name there. So (laughs) if you are looking for him, in the DraftKings marketplace, you're looking for Kalen Williams and uh, Chaos Williams is his nickname. And you're going to see, like, if you look at sports books, it's pretty frequently going to be saying Chaos Williams. But the reason that he's really good in a format like Rainmakers, it's twofold. Number one, there is no salary cap here. So we don't have to worry about if you're playing, you know, in the standard contests or classic, the price on Chaos Williams is $9,500. So he's really expensive. And that's going to be an opportunity cost thing. We're just trying to debate do I want to play Chaos Williams? Do I not want to play Chaos Williams in classic contests? You don't have to worry about the price point here. You just have to worry about what is his odds of winning and what are his odds of winning by a finish, which are really high, especially because he's taking on a newcomer in Ronaldo Bedoya, who I don't really rate very highly, making his UFC debut, doesn't have a ton of experience under his belt. And Chaos Williams, the one thing we have seen from his wins in the UFC, they're generally pretty destructive. He knocks people out. He knocks people <laughs> out pretty cold in a lot of them. His UFC debut knocks out Alex Morono, who's a pretty decent fighter, somebody I rate higher than Bedoya. His next UFC fight, he fights Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, knocks him out in the first round, also somebody I rate higher than Bedoya. Then he loses a decision. He ends up winning a decision, which there are not very many decisions he wins, but that was over Matthew Semmelsberger, who's extremely tough. Then he knocks out Miguel Baeza, also somebody I rate higher than Bedoya. So every single win that we have seen from Chaos Williams in the UFC I think he has fought stiffer competition than what his competition is for this card. So I think this is the easiest fight he's had in the UFC. He's a massive favorite. He is currently anywhere from like minus 300 to minus 320. And I think there's a lot of finishing equity. So I consider him to be one of the, if not the safest fighter on the card. Obviously books agree because they have him priced, like you said, as the biggest favorite of the week. But a lot of times the biggest favorite doesn't necessarily mean that we expect him to score well on draftings. Considering how Chaos Williams fights, I do think he should score well. If we look at the current odds from the finish inside the distance, he's nearly minus 200 to finish inside the distance. That's exactly it. Uh, when you look at the inside the distance type numbers for, for a fight like this, and then over a 75% expected win percentage when you group it by implied odds, it just makes all the sense in all the land to accumulate Chaos Williams. If you're starting with one fighter in either the core contest, the rare contest, and you're looking, who should I be playing up top? It's pretty clearly to me, Chaos Williams, because then we jump over to some of these main events. We have a co-main event here. We got Gilbert Burns, a takedown specialist, going up uh, against Bilal Muhammad, who's coming off of Ramadan. And that's going to be kind of a crazy little narrative coming into the weekend. Uh, Not really sure what to make here of Muhammad and Gilbert Burns, but uh, if Gilbert Burns finds ways to get Bilal Muhammad to the mat, you're going to see a lot of takedowns and maybe an opportunity for this to go the full five rounds. But even still... I don't find the scoring potential as high as what I do for Chaos Williams right from the get-go. And then that's not even talking about the the, the main event, if you will, with Sterling and, and Cejudo, who 
I have no idea what we could be getting from a scoring perspective there. Uh, just an interesting match of styles in that one. But why don't you talk about both of these co-main events and, and where they rank in terms of uh, Rainmakers for you this week? Sure. So one thing that really does help is that this is going to be a five-round co-main event and not a three-round co-main event. So the first of all, I don't know exactly why they decided to make this five rounds as opposed to three. I assume that this is going to be a title eliminator fight. The winner of Muhammad and Burns, I think, is going to fight the winner of Colby Covington and Leon Edwards. And I also expect the winner of this fight is probably going to be the alternate in that fight. So they'll weigh in for that fight. And if something is to happen to the main event, the winner of this would end up stepping in. Although it has been a good amount of line movement as of late. Well, there's been a lot of weird line movement in this fight. It started with Gilbert Burns being priced around, let me pull up some of the bet history here. But Gilbert Burns opened as a slight underdog, and then he was bet to, yeah, so this opened with Gilbert Burns being plus 110, and then the blinds kind of moved all over the place. It's now settled on Gilbert Burns being in the neighborhood of, oh, by the way, I actually misread it. So it is Gilbert Burns opened up minus 190 and was bet in favor of Bilal Muhammad to the point where it was close to a pick Now it's gone back the other way. It's where Gilbert Burns is a slight favorite. I think this is a pretty favorable matchup for Muhammad on paper, just looking at the numbers, because I think he holds the striking advantage here over Gilbert Burns. I'm pretty sure he holds a significant cardio advantage. Gilbert Burns, we've regularly seen slow down in the third rounds of a lot of his fights. And then even the one time that we saw him in a five-round fight that kind of got stretched out a little bit was against Kamaru Usman. And he got finished in the third round after getting off to a really quick start. And a lot of it, too, is him really starting to slow down. Bilal Muhammad never slows down in his fights. His output has also been extremely high in recent fights, which was not really the case when he was younger in his career. So if you look at the scoring for Bilal Muhammad in his last few fights, in a three-round decision win over Wonderboy Thompson, he scores 132 fantasy points. Five-round decision win over Vicente Luque, he puts up 107 DraftKings fantasy points. And then last fight was a second-round finish over Sean Brady, also scores north of 100 fantasy points in that spot. So considering the kind of output we've seen from Bilal Muhammad, I do think that if this fight gets extended, he should be the fighter who has more output. I do think, like I said, also cardio advantage for him. And the other thing too is there is a grappling advantage for Gilbert Burns, but he has to actually get the the fight onto the ground for that to be in play at all. And Gilbert Burns only has a 37% takedown accuracy. And then Bilal Muhammad on the other side is 92% takedown defense. It is nearly impossible to take down Bilal Muhammad. The last time we saw him taken down in a fight was in 2019 against Takashi Sato. <laughs> and he's just a better fighter yep. now than he was then. So his takedown defense has held up in all his fights since then. He fought Sean Brady in his last fight, who is a far better wrestler than Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns is the better grappler, but in terms of wrestler, that goes to Sean Brady. So if Sean Brady wasn't able to land takedowns against Bilal Muhammad, I don't really expect Gilbert Burns to. So I think Bilal is a good underdog bet for this card. And then also, I think he's a pretty good play for Rainmakers. I think he's a good play for Classic Contest. I don't think he should be the underdog in this spot. There's a little bit more name cachet with Gilbert Burns, but I'm on the Bilal Muhammad side, and he's going to be a... Not, I'm not going to say like a super high priority for me in Rainmakers, but considering where his prices are in the secondary market, he's somebody who I've started to buy cards of. I, I have a lot of Bilal Muhammad. I'm very excited about him this week. I think out of all four fighters in the main events, I think he's the guy that's a clear-cut priority for me. Everything you just said on top of 
Gilbert Burns just got done fighting Masvidal. I don't care about that. And Neil Magny is terrible. So I'm pretty positive his last two fights, both times we've seen in this season, have been fights you would expect him to dominate. Couldn't even get Masvidal finished. I guess nobody really finishes Masvidal at this point, but Shamayev uh, Barbosa coming off of two losses the last time he t- fought two fighters that I actually value. So I feel really good about Bilal Muhammad here. Uh, again, the Ramadan thing is just a fun narrative to throw out there. But what do you feel about Sterling? And again, because five-round fights, generally the floor is a little bit elevated. You have more opportunities to strike, more opportunities for takedowns. But I'm having a very tough time figuring out what I want to do between uh, Sterling and Cejudo. They're obviously very close in odds. Do you have any kind of a pull with that main event fight? Yeah, it's really hard because we haven't seen Cejudo fight in so long now, right? The last time we saw Henry Cejudo fight was against Dominic Cruz, and that was in 2020, almost exactly a year, uh, three years to right now, because that fight against Dominic Cruz was May 9th, 2020. So we're looking at a layoff that's going to be almost three years to the day at the time that they fight. And with that in mind, too, Henry Cejudo is 36 years old. We haven't seen him fight in three years, and there's a massive size difference here. Aljamain Sterling is three inches taller than Sudo. Sudo is a very tiny bantamweight. Sterling also has a seven-inch reach advantage, and he fights very long. Fights long with his jab, fights long with his teep kicks. I think he should be able to keep Henry Sudo at distance and should have the advantages on the feet in terms of the output. Where I do think Sudo has the advantages number one in the wrestling department, but I don't know if he wants to go to the ground with Aljamain Sterling. Sterling's a much better grappler than Cejudo. The other thing too, when it comes to Cejudo is the one advantage I'll give him in this fight is the power. So I guess he's live to knock out Aljamain Sterling, but the more I look at this fight, I just don't know what to expect from Cejudo from the long layoff. And I'm not sure this is a must play main event either. A lot of times I'll look at main events like last week in the fight between Song Yidong and Ricky Simone, I was pretty close to 50-50 on that fight and all in on the fight. I had one of them in all of my fights for Rainmakers purposes, one of them in all my fights for Classic Contest. I don't think that's going to be the case for me with this fight. Even though it's priced in the mid-range and the cards are available for reasonable prices on Sterling and Cejudo, I don't know the fight has to score well just because I don't think Sterling is going to be able to take down Henry Cejudo. I don't think Henry Cejudo wants to take down Aljamain Sterling because of the difference in their grappling abilities. And then this fight just plays out on the feet where Henry Sudo is not a very high volume striker. So I do think that the most likely outcome here is that Sterling keeps the fight at a distance and is able to win just by kind of picking at Suhudo. And that won't necessarily score super well on DK. All right, everybody hit that like button, subscribe button, notification bell. We broke down the main events, broke down uh, the, the biggest favorite on the card for sure. And we'll dive into a couple of these other pieces that we have a, a lot of interest in, some of the other favorites. And then... Finished out with some sneaky plays here from Greg Ehrenberg. But we just had uh, Mike Lawrence drop into the chat there. The NFL Rainmakers action. Uh, Yeah, that's coming around the corner very, very shortly. We're going to have NFL in full action. You can also get a free event pack right now for UFC. You sign up in the video description box below. If you've not played in any UFC Rainmakers so far, this is your opportunity to jump in, get some action in on it. You're going to guarantee yourself a full lineup of five fighters when you do so. You can also sell them on the secondary market, buy, sell, trade, do all the things that you want to do in order to have the best lineup possible here for DraftKings Rainmakers. And, you know, Greg's had a lot of success in this department. I've had a little success. Alex Baker's had tons of success in the old DK Rainmaker streets in the UFC. So there's obviously some money to be made out there. We're here to help you do that. But let's move ourselves to some of these other massive 
favorites, Greg. We have Evlov, uh, Evlov there. Drew Dauber, somebody I'm actually familiar with, so that's always good. Ikram, uh, who I find to be a pretty intriguing, I believe this is his debut in the UFC for this one. Uh, pretty curious to see what you value him. In. And then Jessica Andre fighting for the 84th time this year. That's fantastic. Uh, do you have a priority amongst some of these massive favorites on today's card or on Saturday's card? Yeah. So uh, we are like overall, if I could only roster one, it would be Chaos Williams, who we talked about earlier. But talking about some of the other fighters, too. I don't know that his win equity is as high as some of the other fighters that are in this price range, but Drew Dober, his fights almost all end up being bangers. Same with Matt Frivola. And I do think this is a fight where somebody's getting finished and that person getting finished is probably going to be Matt Frivola just because Drew Dober's got like a Jay Leno chin just in terms of he's got this giant fucking <laughs> face. And I like, there's no way to know exactly what it is that causes somebody to get knocked out. But I have a feeling. Can you pull a picture of Drew Dober's chin up on screen? Like, just so people could see. I have a, now, once again, this is very bro science. How do you knock somebody out whose chin looks like what Mike is about to put oh, up on Oh, shit. So, There's that. You, that's, a, that's a great point. It's so, a great yeah. point. I just pulled up a picture. Yeah. So he's got like an, he's got like action hero butt chin, where it's just this gigantic face with a huge chin on it. He's got a big head and it's really hard to hurt Drew Dober. Or I shouldn't say hurt because we see him get hurt, but like it's very hard to finish Drew Dober. The only time that we have seen him finished in the UFC has been by submission. He's been submitted by, uh, he was submitted by Makachev, Islam Makachev. Yeah. He was submitted by Benil Dariush. He was submitted by Olivier Aubin Mercier. He was submitted earlier in his career by uh, Efren Escudero. But in general, if fights play out on the feet and it's just who can do more damage to the other person. Drew Dober ends up winning because he could take more damage than most other people. That's what we saw in his last fight against Bobby Green. Drew Dober was not winning the striking exchanges in that fight at all. In fact, the fight finished early in the second round. Drew Dober landed 73 significant strikes on Drew Dober through one plus round in the matchup against Drew Dober. But what ends up happening? Drew Dober ends up finishing Bobby Green just because he can take more punishment than his opponents often do. And when you look at Matt Frivola, Matt Frivola is a live and die by the sword type of fighter. He goes out, he gets into brawls, and even in his last fight against Atman Azaitar, the common wisdom going into that fight was Frivola holds big wrestling and grappling advantages. Atman Azaitar had a big power advantage. And the thought going into that fight is if Frivola wrestles and grapples, he's going to win the fight on the mat. If the fight stays standing, Azaitar is probably going to knock him out. And Favola didn't really give a shit. He didn't care that his easiest path to victory was looking for the wrestling and grappling. He stood on the feet, he traded with his Zaytar, and he ended up knocking him out. And I think that's how this fight plays out. It's going to be a brawl. It probably is going to end in the first or second round. And I trust Drew Dober's chin and durability more than Matt Favola's. Also, a lot more output on the side of Drew Dober. He lands 4.47 significant strikes per minute to Favola's 3.46. So I think Drew Dober on the high end, it's not just that he is pretty good chance to win he's a north of minus 200 favorite but also i think there's a lot of finishing equity there so i like the upside of dober yeah i've actually seen him fight i just realized he was in the ufc 246 the uh the mcgregor and cerrone card so that was pretty cool anyway just thought i'd throw that out he beat the living crap out of hack brass in like two seconds that was enjoyable but uh definitely looking at him as a solid option up there jessica andrage uh you know having an opportunity to maybe get to the mat a little bit more um, I don't know what to think of this Kennedy fellow who 
again, we haven't seen him as much here amongst the favorites. And that kind of leads me into looking at some of your favorite dogs. So you can get some really cheap dogs on the card uh, for Rainmaker's purposes. People generally value all the major minus money guys, as they probably should in a lot of ways. But you got to mix in a couple of these dogs when you're building out in the cores, the rares, the elites, because, well... There's going to be upsets, even on a 14, well, especially on a 14 one, based on what we saw last week, for sure. 11 fights, lots of upsets, definitely need to have them intertwined. Do you have a favorite dog on this week's card? Yeah, so somebody you went to college with, Phil Hawes. Let's go! I think this is a very favorable matchup for Phil Hawes. And by the way, something you probably know, you went to college with Phil Hawes, Iowa State. And now, what what was Phil Hawes' athletic background at Iowa State? Uh, he was a wrestler. He was a wrestler. What would you guess his takedown defense is in the UFC? 100%. It is 100%. Nobody's ever taken down Phil Hawes in the UFC. So I'm looking at this fight on paper, and there's a pretty big grappling advantage for Ikram Aleskarov in this fight. But if he doesn't get the fight to the ground, does it matter? It It doesn't. And Phil Hawes has a 100% takedown defense. On the other side, I think Phil Hawes has a big striking advantage in this yep. matchup. Because what we saw out of Aleskarov in his contender series fight, he ended up eventually getting the fight to the ground against Mario Souza. He ends up winning by Kimura in the first round. But it was kind of dicey for him on the feet. His striking did not look good. And, you know, it's, really, it's a really small sample size because we only saw half a round there. But still, if you just consider this was against a pretty low-level opponent, and ask uh, and Alaskarov in that fight, he landed 3.26 significant strikes per minute, but he absorbed 7.91. Phil Hawes is a good striker. He's also somebody who's really improved on the feet. I think he's looked really good when he's been on the feet in his last few fights. Here's the one issue with Phil Hawes. Chinny as shit. He does not have the chin that our friend Drew Dober has that we talked about before. <laughs> you hit Phil Hawes clean a couple of times. He starts doing the chicken dance. He gets knocked down. He gets finished. If he does not get finished in his fights, he generally ends up winning and looking pretty good. And I don't know that Aleskarov is the type of guy who's going to put Phil Hawes away on the feet. And then you start to look at, like I said before, where does Aleskarov win the fight? He has to get takedowns and you have to win with his grappling in all likelihood. But Phil Hawes is a 100% takedown defense. This is a division one college wrestler who's really, really well regarded in that department. So I don't agree with the odds here at all. I think Aleskarov is going to struggle to get the fight to the ground. And I think Phil Hawes beats him up on the feet, maybe even finishes him. So I think Phil Hawes is a good cheap fighter to go and invest in shares of. And then also somebody who I'm going to be betting on as a big underdog in this fight. Also, I haven't seen it yet because when I looked yesterday, some of the lines weren't up yet for the props, but I'm pretty interested to see what the prop lines end up coming out for a Hawes KO, because I think that that is definitely a live path to victory for him. God, I love it. It's also incredible how, again, I'm newer to the UFC streets. I've really enjoyed my time here for the last couple months. And it was so wild going through and researching and then being like, I went to college with that guy. You see a picture of him and it's like we're in sociology class together uh, doing projects and stuff. That was pretty wild. So kind of a small world moment, if you will, for me. Really fun stuff. But don't forget UFC 288. You can get your packs right now. $34.99 in the main lobby. I think, uh, I mean, last week they sold out very quickly. We'll see if they end up selling out here today as well. But you want to jump in if you're listening to us here after the fact, uh, maybe on a Wednesday or a Thursday as we're leading up to Saturday's card. Make sure you get in that secondary market as well because we're starting to get some established prices. Things are starting to jump in there. But 
are there any fights that you're just not really all that intrigued for this week? Because there seems like there's a couple that are, are pretty likely to go the distance. And those are kind of the ones that are tough to get to, unless you see tons of takedowns, tons of striking. Are there any fights that you find to just be meh on this week's card? Yeah, I would say uh, Rafael Estevam against Jaga Zhumagulov and uh, Zhumagulov, who basically loses a split decision in every single fight that he's in ever. He's running Except so bad in the UFC. If you look at, here's the here's the record of Zhumagulov. And by the way, not all of them are split decisions. Some of them are just really competitive decisions in general. His UFC debut, he fights uh, Holly and Paiva. I believe it was a short notice fight too, if I remember correctly. And by the way, these... These numbers, they're just quantitative, not qualitative. So meaning that you could outstrike somebody by numerics, but it doesn't necessarily mean you did more damage. But that aside, Jumagolov in his UFC debut takes on Julian Paiva. He ends up landing 66 significant strikes to 52 for Paiva. Paiva ends up winning unanimous decision. It was also a fight where I thought it was pretty reasonable to think Jumagolov won. His next fight against Amir Albazi, low output. Albazi won. I thought Albazi won that. That was uh, fair play for sure. Ends up getting KO'd against Manel Cop. His last two fights, though, split decision loss against Jeff Molina, split decision loss against Charles Johnson, both of them competitive fights. But in general, he's just not been a high output type of guy. There's not a lot of wrestling grappling in his fights. He doesn't land strikes at a super high rate. Estevam, hard to say. We've only seen him fight once. And that one fight was a contender series fight where he won by second round knockout. But I think this has a fight. I think this as a fight is pretty live to where the winner just doesn't score particularly well. I think that's a really good shout out. Uh, again, I think just looking through some of his fights, Zamagulov, he basically retired. He basically said, I'm done because the UFC, they've conspired against me the same way that uh, Aton Shander feels like Twitter conspires against him. And so he just decided, eh, well, I'm done. And now he's back. So it'll be fun to watch. Uh, but definitely not a fight that I think I'm going to be prioritizing in any way, shape, or form. Let's take a look at a couple of the prices here on our way out. As they stand right now, seeing if there's any fighters that really tickle your fancy to be firing up. Uh, I know that Greg, uh, myself, we we really enjoy getting in those rare elite contests as well. A little bit better payout structure, not very many entrants. Great opportunity this week, especially. Cards are going to be undervalued compared to what they are for the $19.99 fight nights. Because, well, there's just more fights, more opportunity, and you can get different in a way where you can get lots of exposure uh, in some of those rare contests with a 5K payout structure to first, 10K in the elite uh, contest to first there too. But are there any prices on cards that you've got your eye on right now that you think would be great purchases for the people at home? So it's pretty hard to say just because the packs dropped about an hour ago, and I assume the price are moving pretty quickly. So I could yep. pull it up here, but it wasn't really something I could look at ahead of time and know what they were going to be now. If I'm just making a blanket, just assumption here, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that Phil Hawes probably yep. has the most. It was probably the fighter that has the most upside for the cheapest price. Uh, but I could also double sitting check at a dollar eighty. I, I'm also curious because I mean I'm I'm kind of looking at at certain fighters. The Charles Jardin, uh, Char Charles Jardin. Sorry, he's Canadian, French Canadian. There you are. 
going up against Crone Gracie, who's just like a jujitsu specialist, uh, feel like that at a dollar forty could be somebody that uh, maybe not for a captain situation, but a pretty cheap at a dollar forty. I could see that falling below a dollar sooner rather than later, and that's somebody that I've got my eye on as well as. What do you think about this Devin Clark fellow who, I mean, feels like we've seen him a lot here of late right now. There's a rare, what is it, a booster pack, $5 for a number 10 serial edition. If you're looking at jumping in rare, that seems like a really good find at the moment too, trying to find a, a cheap way to round out a lineup. Yeah, so let's see, what do we have here? Got it loading on my, so what was the question again? I'm trying to load on my computer. Oh, I was just looking at uh, Devin Clark, I think from a rare perspective, there's a number 10 serial edition going for $5 right now. That would be a cheap edition that I think made a little bit of sense. Uh, I don't know what to expect from Kennedy. I, I really don't. I uh, can't, I'm not going to even pretend like I can pronounce his last yeah. name here, Kennedy but Devin Clark. In Sechiku is how his uh, last in name Sechiku. is pronounced. Devin Clark is... Devin Clark is a much easier name to say than Insechiku. That is that is for sure. <laughs> Thank um, you for sticking up for me there. Insechiku's got all the physical talents in the world. He's also really, really inconsistent in his fights, but he does seem to be improved over his last few. And Devin Clark does not take damage well at all. But Devin Clark gets hurt very easily and does seem to kind of quit in a lot of his fights once he does start to get hurt. He looked pretty good in his last fight against Dawoon Jung, but the fight before that against Ozmat Mirzakhanov, he was not able to land takedowns. He had very limited success and, yeah, was just not really willing to be in there and take too much damage in that fight. He has lost three of his last five. I, I think the big question here is just will Insechiku's takedown defense hold up? And it's looked pretty good as of late, especially because his last fight, he fought against Ion Kutalaba, and I think that Kutalaba is a more difficult matchup than what Devin Clark is. And we saw Insechiku do a fairly good job of defending takedowns. Kutalaba comes out so strong in the early going. He's really difficult to deal with in the first couple minutes of a fight. But we saw Insechiku was able to weather the early storm. He was able to defend uh, six out of the eight takedowns that came his way from Kutalaba. And then Kutalaba kind of tired himself out going for those takedowns. And then Insechiku knocked him out. And... I think that something like this could play out pretty similarly. I think that Devin Clark is going to look to wrestle in the early going. And then as soon as the takedowns stop working for him or he gets tired going for takedowns, I think it's such a good, the most likely outcome is that he finishes Devin Clark, probably something like in the second round as Devin Clark starts to slow down. But there's definitely a little bit of issues with inconsistency when it comes to Insechiku. He lost a fight to Nikolai Negromariano, which is not a great look. He also had a fight where he lost to uh, Dawoon Jung. So something kind of funny here about MMA math. Devin Clark beat Dawoon Jung fairly comfortably in his last fight. But Devin Clark also kind of got steamrolled by Ion <laughs> Kutilaba. But at mm -hmm. the same time, too, Kennedy and Sechiku got knocked out by Dawoon Jung. Like, really weird. It was like elbows on the feet through the guard ended up knocking him out. But Sechiku was able to finish Kutilaba fairly easily. So a lot of like weird matchup things here, but I do think the matchup against Kudalaba for Insechiku is fairly similar to the matchup against Devin Clark. I just think Clark isn't quite as good as Kudalaba. So I do think that Insechiku should be able to finish him like late first round, early second. All right. Well, fantastic stuff from Greg Ehrenberg here today. Thank you so much. Go follow Mechie Ehrenberg DFS. Go follow myself 
at Eric Lindquist. But most importantly, hit that like button as we get ourselves out of here. Thank you to Mike Lawrence behind the virtual pay glass as well. UFC 288, you got packs available here. Check out the marketplace as well. Be able to snag some deals throughout the day. Have that activity page pulled up. So many meta games within a game here in the Rainmaker streets. And you know, if you can snag a couple of cheapies, never a bad thing. Fire up the core contest, 2K to first this week. Generally, uh, there's a little bit better payout structure across the board in the UFC for these huge cards. So looking forward to that. And it's uh, NFL Rainmaker stuff available. We have PGA Rainmaker stuff available. So many great things. But Greg, any final words for the people as we get out of here for UFC 288? Yeah, one final thing. So if you guys participated in the drop for the NFL draft, you got cards that don't have the, the players' names on them right now. It'll say like, wider uh like running back one which is Bijan robinson sometime later today or tomorrow those players are going to get actual names added to them and there is an article in the description box below explaining more about that but if you're holding players from the nfl draft and you're wondering who is running back one who is running back two well soon it's going to say Bijan robinson and jameer gibbs so uh be on the lookout for that Falcons going to run the ball 80% of the time this year. That'll be a lot of fun, really enjoyable stuff from them. But uh, appreciate you guys all hanging with us uh, after the fact. And, you know, we're going to be back next week. Probably be talking a little bit of PGA. Looking forward to it. But good luck this week in the UFC streets. He's Greg. He's awesome. I'm Eric. We'll probably hang out at some point in time. Texty, texty. Good stuff. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.